I'll play back the levels the way you set them. Say it on me. Hey, pussy, are you still there? Lee. I back. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess who can walk? I back it up. I back it up. That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, buddy. Hey, John, do you think I'm just going to sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy's such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight. That fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Hope to God you come ready. You're not using a camera? I, I was gonna leave my camera off. I mean, my. Oh, I'm yes, perfect. Me too. Oh. I thought you was. Nah, cause that, that means that we can both prepare to our notes instead of me looking. Dang! I'm so no. excited. There you go, podcasting. <laughs> I'm like so much happier now. I'm like, yeah, Michael, you saved the day. And guess what? This makes everyone happy because this is quicker than my fucking Bootsy Wi-Fi, and I go. can use my notes. Yeah, you're the best, oh. Michael. There you go. You see, who needs an intro when we've got this? This is, I think, more than an intro uh, <laughs> than we need because this is this is real talk. Behind, yeah, exactly. Let's people behind the veil. Let's people behind the velvet curtain. Let's people behind the scenes. This is what we do. This is week in, week out. Our planning, our meticulous, and preparation that goes into this is absolutely kind of like flawless. So, it's incredible to welcome people to this week's. <laughs> What's going on, G? Nothing much, man. I'm I'm a happy MMA fan and podcaster at the moment. We have so much to discuss. But how are you, Mike? I'm incredible. You know, we've got quite a lot to get through. We had PFL on Friday. We had KSW on Saturday. We also had UFC 261. So I think without further ado, we should really kind of pick our way through the last few days, uh, combat action, I have to say, I was a little bit surprised and uh, ever so slightly disappointed that the Professional Fighters League, who were trying to have a foothold in the UK, thought that it was um, pertinent to charge us British fans uh, behind a paywall. They wanted us to pay. Now, considering that our, 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 our mascot, our standard bearer, our... Um, well, reason for actually tuning in, Brendan Lofnane, um, Yes, really was our only reason for tuning in when you think about it. Okay, don't get me wrong. Anthony Pettis versus um, Clay Collard was uh, something which, you know, I suppose might have a hook, might have some kind of like traction. But we, on this side of the pond, were really tuning in for Brendan Lofnane. So when they decided, PFL, that they were going to put this behind a paywall, um, that didn't leave fans happy. Quite a few people were actually complaining about it online. And I understand, when you think about it, look, PFL isn't uh, a well-recognised brand in the UK stroke island. And mm -hmm. to me, I think they missed the trick in terms of like getting the word out there, in terms of gaining traction. But not only that, using somebody who is of um, Irish, uh, I suppose, heritage, but also he's got strong ties to Manchester stroke um, the UK. But um, it was good to see Brendan back in action. I mean, it's been a long layoff and he annihilated Shaman Marias um, with that swift right. Oh my God. Incredible to see. Did you, what, did you see that? Yes, I saw a highlight and it was gorgeous. It was pinpoint precision and it looked kind of painful. Like uh, Marias, you know, crumbled to his knees, but it was uh, nonetheless a beautiful knockout. And it also had me wondering stateside, why didn't Dana ever sign this guy? Like, what happened there? He looks like UFC caliber to me. 
definitely a UFC caliber. I think, you know, Brendan must know where all the bodies are buried or something. You must have some dirt on uh, Dana White because it does baffle me. It baffled quite a few people who did go to bat for Brendan the last time that, you know, he was making his bid to be in the UFC. But you know what? I don't really think Mm -hmm. that's a bad thing that he's not in the UFC. Look, he is not actually in a situation now where he has to actually have a day job and um become or to fight as a professional athlete he's in a situation where he is now paid off for his mum's house so they're paying him really well over at the pfl and not for um well i I suppose for good reason because look what he's able to display when he's a happy fighter i think we touched on this last week with um our man anderson um i mean i'm not I'm not upset for him. I don't think like he's upset. I mean, I'm upset for myself and UFC fans. Like I'd love to see him, you know, in the UFC. And, you know, I feel like Dana robbed us of this experience because this kid would do really well in, mm-hmm. in that organization. But like you said, Mike, nonetheless, I'm really happy for him. Doesn't he have like an opportunity to win a million dollars? Like you said, he paid off his mother's house. Like yep. he's living a good life over there and he's also successful. Mm, no, 100%. One hundred. You know, I think it'd be kind of remiss of me not to actually um, mention as well, you know, the the big draw for a lot of people, certainly from where I was sat, was Anthony Pettis actually making his PFL debut. Now, that, that, you know, this entire 10 fight event um, featured a a statement win, really, from the underdog, Clay Collards. Um, What do you think about it? You know, (laughs) Anthony Pettis is a former world champion in basically the 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 creme de la creme of leagues the UFC now for me I was a little bit disappointed by what I saw I was a little bit disappointed by um the fact that you know for me Anthony Pettis I always go back to you know that cage side kick you know the showtime kick and his flashy and dominating fashion in which you know he kind of peppered his career in in the UFC but I was slightly disappointed about that um Mike I think you need to take into consideration that he's getting older and his motivation to fight might be different now it might be monetary because he's in the PFL so maybe he just wants the million dollars and it's not a motivation like the UFC that type of competition and whatnot but then also um Khaled ain't do nothing that we haven't seen before like he he pressured that man so that he could not implement he could not implement his uh fight plan on collard and we've seen that before and i'm not surprised that a younger fighter that followed the blueprint and the recipe beat anthony pettis at a time in his career when he's just older now i don't know i don't know i I understand though you want to see flashy showtime pettis and you get glimpses of it with that especially with that high kick and that knee he threw at collard but he's just not that guy anymore i don't think but he's here to have fun still with us in mma i don't know mike yeah, I mean, are you that, that is... disappointed? He's old, mate. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like I say, I suppose in my mind, I've got this romanticized view of Anthony yeah. Pettis and you know, that, that that Showtime kick. You know who did shock me and who did surprise me, though, was uh, Bubba Jenkins. Bubba Jenkins kicked off the action by taking down the two-time PFL champion, Lance, Lance Palmer. Now, yeah. I, I don't know about you, but going into this, I didn't expect Jenkins to actually walk away with a win. Now, this one I miss, Mike. Now, before you go any further and mm. fill me in, is it worth going back to watch? 
Um, it's not in the vein. Or can you me. fill me in right now? <laughs> it's not in the vein for me <laughs> of Brendan Lofton. Right. But again, there was a, some personal bias there. I mean, mm-hmm. to, to cut a long story short, um, Jenkins um, basically landed a, a flurry of body shots combined with some pretty good takedowns. And, you know, he handed Palmer his first loss in the PFL. But all in all, mm. you know, gripes aside, the PFL put on a pretty decent card speaking of decent cards though on the same night as UFC 261 KSW our uh, I would say leading light in the um in in the Europe sphere as it were put on a a, a pretty good show but for me it was always going to be about Phil DeFreeze Phil DeFreeze you might remember um his ex-UFC and he is the current heavyweight champion he's 20 and 6 and he retained his title with a second round TKO over the KSW light heavyweight champion, Thomas Narkin, and four. So big up KSW. It was good to see them back. And um, you'll know if you've tuned into KSW, the reason why I'm so high on them, the reason why I've got lots of good things to say about them, the reason why mm-hmm. I do think that they do put on compelling shows is because their production values are second to none. They are absolutely pristine when it comes to actually putting on a show. So, yeah, it was good to see KSW return. But on to the creme de la creme, the cream of the crop, UFC 261. <laughs> Talk about wiping away our recent memories of that. I won't even go into it. The cards that we saw last week. I mean, man. Damn. It's like why we're fans. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, but- this card is like why we're fans, why we podcast, why we spend money. This card was everything, mm. unless I'm tripping. But but let's keep it real. Did did uh, did you get chills just like I got chills like listening to the fans? The fans returning for me was the major statement of this because they were rewarded. For would pay. I call it a would I call it a major statement? No, but it was a nice change because I've been listening to no fans for quite a while, so it was a nice switch me up, but. You know, I can I can go back to no fans, no problem. But it did get me hyped for this particular card. Yes. I say major statement because not only were they rewarded, like I say, for mm-hmm. having to stick with the UFC whilst they weren't actually allowed to rock up in person. You'll know yourself. Look, you've had the up and close um, personal experience of an event. It is always solid when you were there in person. But not only that, just yes. that... We are, I mean, many people do need to be reminded of this. We are still in the midst of a pandemic. Now, they had a choice whether or not they wanted to actually um, be there because that disclaimer, that massive disclaimer on the back of their ticket made it um, clear in no uncertain terms. Look, you are putting your head in in, in the mouth of the lion here. Death might actually result from this. But why I say it was like a major deal was that they had a choice whether they wore masks or not. And to be fair, they were quite tightly packed in. 15,000 people. That's a major statement. 15,000 people actually rocked up to that event. My, Went, what, 3.5 million made on the door. But but let's discuss my dumb ass. When I first started watching the early prelims, I looked at the crowd and I saw that it wasn't full yet. And 
watch the prelims, even when they buy tickets to a fight. I was just like, look at the UFC trying to space these people out and not have a super spreader event. And my friends and, you know, <laughs> my homegirls on Twitter was like, hey, dumbass, this just because no one's shown up to the fight yet. Dana sold that whole arena out. And I was like, oh, my God. And then, Mike, when you look closely and they pan around the fans, nobody in Florida has a motherfucking mask on. And then prior to that, Mike, prior to that, did you see the post-conference for UFC 61? Dana had Governor Ron DeSantos there. And he's, you know, the economy over lives governor that has no problem keeping his state open while his numbers skyrocket with corona. It's, it was just such a scary event. But at the same time, I did like to hear the crowd in my living room. But I was safe at home and it felt good. <laughs> I missed that political nuance. I saw those two chaps in the suit rock up on stage. Um, during the weigh-ins and to be honest with you it went over my head I didn't really know in terms of context oh, so explain yeah. it down to me and the rest of the UK and European contingent who don't know the significance of this man's presence on oh, stage. Oh wow okay yeah no problem my governor Ron DeSantis he is the governor of Florida so basically he runs Florida and what he has been doing since the beginning of this pandemic is not do a damn thing in regards to public <laughs> safety and help. So basically, Florida is the state that's open, Mike. Your school's open. Everything is open. And it's up to you to decide if you want to wear a mask or not. And because of his type of economy over lives platform, he's kind of famous for being the guy that's like not really giving a damn about the pandemic. And he's one of those, you know, go hard Trump supporters and he's economy over lives. And it is your right not to wear a mask or if you want to shut down your own business. He's all for it. So that's why the UFC was able to have a fight in his state. But what I thought was strange was, OK, you're having the fight in Florida. Why are we making this so political? Like, why does he have to be at a press conference? Like, yeah. that's when you start to make things very political because you can simply have the UFC fight in Florida. That's a huge statement in itself. But to have the governor there prancing around and he is a controversial far, not far right, but he's a controversial right wing <laughs> conservative leader. Yes. Like, right. for instance, Mike, he's the governor that wanted to sign in place that if you see someone protesting and it turns into rioting and they start to destroy property, you can stand your ground and shoot them as a civilian until the police arrive. He's OK right. with that type of legislation. Yes. He's a he's a cowboy conservative. So he and then he is is publicly, you know, um, hand in hand, publicly supporting Dana White. That's a huge statement. Wow. Now that actually yeah. puts things in context. Now I see. Now I understand. Damn. Yeah. Okay. It's a, he's 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 famous for how he's handling the pandemic. And then you see him with Dana. It's, it, it was just like for me as an American, it was jarring. But like I said, my my ass was home safe with no Corona. I tested negative just recently. So I'm OK with this. So y'all enjoy <laughs> this super spreader event. Mike, did you see the people in the crowd with no masks and yes. stuff? Did you notice yes. the lack of protocols? There was a sea of people. I, 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 I have to say, I'm not going to lie. I'm not exaggerating. I didn't see one person with a mask on. Maybe I saw a few. maybe just the, yeah. maybe it was the camera. Maybe it was every time that I I had an opportunity to see into the crowd, I saw nobody with masks. So, it being said um, by Dana, look, 
if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you don't want to wear a mask, don't wear a mask. I can understand why that was the case, why they were few and far between. Is that right, though? Was that, were, were my optics or, or, or what I was actually observing actually correct in that? There was more people not wearing a mask than wearing a mask. That is correct. And what I was told on um, Twitter, and also I did a private Zoom session on um on Zoom with the with the female MMA fans, and they said the same thing. They're like, when in the South, people don't really respect the fact that you have to wear a mask and people are just okay. living their lives normally. So that part of Florida or Florida in itself has been conditioned to just kind of move on with your life. So that is expected in a crowd such as Florida. Me, a northerner, that is absurd. We, we can't even gather like that, period, let alone be in, a, in, a, in, a, in an arena with no mask on. Like our governor won't even let us gather period. So you can't have a UFC at Madison Square Garden right now, let alone fill it up to the brim. That wow. governor in Florida has no problem doing so. And that's why that was monumental that he was there supporting Dana. So, Wow. Whew, you yeah. know what? In Steve. the time-honored fashion, I think it's only right that we have a look at the card. Now in our new format, um, we'll pick out uh, one or two talking points from each other, um, you can obviously do what you normally do and uh, break the rules and uh, bring in 15. <laughs> in. But I'm going to stick with just the one. But I think, you know, ladies first, uh, what was your first talking point? What was actually um, the moment that actually caught you maybe off guard or made you think, you know what, I'm bringing this to the podcast? Well, before I even bring it to the podcast, I need your help. I want to okay. talk about the opening card. Um, Arian Canalosi versus, how do you say her um, name? Liana? Because I'm about to call her Liana um, and I'm, we're just going to roll with it. <laughs> I, 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 I thought it was Na Liang, but. We'll Na go, Liang. We'll, we'll, we'll go, go with Na Liang. Na. I mean, e e either work. Because I, I, I can't really get my head around this. I thought you said the surname first. Um, if you're if you're referring like to, Zhang Weili, yes, right. that's right. But I could be wrong. I'll 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 wait for um somebody to hit me up on Twitter, who no doubt um will be listening to this. And we do love a bit of interaction, so you can get me on Twitter at Mike TV and correct me. And uh, where can people find you, G? You can correct my non saying these people's names as at Just Gina MMA on Twitter. <laughs> so okay so you're going um, with Liang Na I'm going with Na Liang anyway Liang Na yes it was the perfect way to start a fight with a crowd in attendance and I think it's important to note that this was the early prelims and mm -hmm. it got loud Mike because these fighters went to war this is how you start a card Liang Na was so excited for her UFC debut that she ran across the cage and she drops Conalosi immediately and then they engage in some back and forth striking that neither woman thought to be defensively sound. Like I tweeted that, Mike, like I was like, yo, there's Your no head movement. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no jab to parry. There's no head movement. There's no slick footwork. None of that. It's just punch yeah. each other in the face and keep it moving. And I liked it. And as the fight continued, you kept seeing like these momentum changes that were just had that were so thrilling to me, Mike. They were exchanging big slams and big shots. And finally, towards the end of round one, Carnalosi drops some vicious ground and pound on Lingya. That is, she's an obvious pain. And her corner had to come out in a sister and bring her back to the corner. That's how painful that ground and pound was for her. Yeah. And I'm telling you right now, I didn't want to see her come out for the second round. I thought the fight was over. So when the first round, right, right. But she did. <laughs> she had that, you know, you know, like 
it's her debut. She's going hard. And her corner was like, what happened? Nothing. You're going back out there. So in round two. <laughs> Get monkey ass back out there. Yeah, they were just like, never mind, never mind. Drink this water. Wake up. So in round two, they, they shoved her out there and we saw what, you know, happened. The ref didn't want to see any more of the beating that she was taking because immediately yeah. Carnalosa took her down and just beat her up. And for someone that has such a muscular frame, I love the fact that she was able to keep up with her pace. Unlike uh, Liang Nya, she wasn't she just blew her load and the adrenaline dump was too much for her to handle. But I tell you this, Mike. Book both those women a fight. I don't care if you book them again or if they fight somebody else. Both of them deserve another fight in the UFC. And I want to see it soon, Dana. It was yeah. just a it was so much fun. Mike. But that's it like was. one of my favorites on the prelim. Go ahead. It was. And I was glad that it went to a second round because the first was just bananas. Plus, I felt a little bit. Right. Sorry. I felt a little bit sorry for uh, Nali Yang um, because. I know that Dean Amazing was very, very high on Nali Yang. And I do believe that he's oh, really? doing incredible work at the uh, the China PI or the UFC PI in China. So it was a little bit um, dispiriting to see what actually happened because he was singing her praises. He basically trumpeted her arrival. And, you know, the fact that he is a representative and I think that, you know, he's um, doing some really good work at the the PI there. So to see that actually happened after all of that kind of buildup was a little bit kind mm-hmm. of disappointing, especially what happened subsequently where you had, um, I think I'm pronouncing um, his name uh, correctly, Arielenic. Um, yes. Now, again, fighting out the PI and again, um, looking like somebody who, especially in the in the kind of like opening stanzas, was somebody who, you know, was definitely there to to kind of you know put down a statement. And when you think, yeah. um, you know, this this is somebody who, again, was trumpeted by Dean Amazinger, and uh, again, it I mean, didn't actually pan out how Dean but- thought it might. Yeah, but Dean shouldn't be too worried about her career yet or like too dismayed with her performance because all her performance told me was that she's either going to improve and become a problem in that division or we're going to have a lot of fun fights with this woman and we're just going to have a good time and she's going to get paid, you know, hopefully, you know what I'm saying? So I think like he boasted about her or talked about her a lot because he saw what I saw, which was potential in, in either direction of her career. If she if she improves Mike, she's going to be great. I mean, and then also, too, isn't she also like some awesome grappler at some point? I mean, those slams and some of those transitions were when put it this way, Mike, when she calms down and and trains even more and gets more experience at this caliber of competition, she's going to be great. I'm not too worried. Oh, why don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to rush in there with um, my point from the prelims. Now, on Twitter, I was giving Jimmy Manuel a little bit of lip, giving him a little bit of banter for the fact that out of his picks, now, I stopped Mm -hmm. doing picks because, uh, you know, recently my picks have been embarrassingly bad, but he put his (laughs) picks up. And in both of um, the Jamaicans that were on the card, he'd had them, well, he'd, he'd put L's by um, what he thought would be the outcome. So I ribbed him. I said, look, on both of your choices, they are both Jamaicans and you've given them the L. What's going on? I'm going to unfollow you. Anyway, he, he kind of like, you know, um, piped back, look, 
Uh, I don't actually look at uh, the, 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 you know, where these people are from. I just look at technical ability and, uh, uh, and prowess. But anyway, it was incredible to see what actually transpired between Randy Brown and Alex Oliveira. Now, what do you think about it? For me, Alex mm-hmm. Oliveira going into that, I can see why Jimmy Emanuel would put him down as the winner. 22-9, and nine, running out of uh, Rio de Janeiro. And you've got Randy mm-hmm. Brown, okay, albeit repping Jamaica, but fighting out of Queens, New York. But um, yeah. with that one-armed strangulation was a thing of beauty. And I could be really excited about um, his future uh, prowess within uh, the UFC. But I have to say, again, I have to defer to your knowledge of the prelims. Randy Brown isn't someone who I'm really too hot on in terms of what I know about him, but definitely one to be watching for the future. What did you reckon? Yeah, I reckon that I didn't see this coming, Mike. I picked Alex Oliveira strictly because of he's got that like veteran experience. He knows how to like kind of, yeah. he's a fart, he's a smart fighter. He can kind of win a decision or he can go in there and shut your lights out or he's gritty enough to get a submission. He's just one of those guys. And I thought he would be able to outsmart Randy Brown and I was proven wrong. Why? Because Randy Brown, he's reminding me that he does have power. And before the submission, you know, don't forget the left hook and the right hand and then following up to the ground that led to the submission is how I know Randy Brown, mm. but I didn't see a one-arm um, fucking choke coming. <laughs> I didn't see that Randy Brown. Okay, Randy, no problem. I, re- I respect I respect the jiu-jitsu now because he straight up choked out a man with one arm and I've never seen that in the UFC before. And on top of it, what the hell went on between these two gentlemen before the fight and like who went know. right and who went on Twitch to get the my mentions doesn't have anything discussing this so i need somebody to find out why these two men why randy gave him the finger and said yeah mm. fuck you over and over again and then refused to shake his hand what was that about mike same i want to know i don't have twitch and to be honest with you i'm trying to restrict in terms of social media and in terms of platform my data so i'm not going to be signing up to twitch anytime soon me so too again, same if you are a Twitch user, if you tuned in, let us know what Randy Brown had to say. As usual, again, Thanks. on Twitter, you can find us there. Yes, please fill us in. Mike, I'm ready to talk to you about another one. You ready? Okay, okay. I, I reckon you've got about three or four on the prelims knowing you. Like I say, the new format is like one talking point. But yeah, you break the rules. And Go Gina first. takes 30. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like You take one talking point, I'll get the rest of the cards. Okay, so <laughs> a Richie Lang versus Jeffrey Molina, easily one of my favorite fights of the year thus far. No, no, I'm not joking with you. Round one, immediately I thought to myself, Richie Lang is the aggressor. He's landing the harder shots and he's just mm. making Molina fight on his back foot. And not for nothing, even I even tweeted, I was like, Molina looks nervous and seems hesitant and I'm sure of himself. Oh, poor thing. Like he's probably nervous. But the pressure he was facing from um, Richie Lang was real. And it wasn't just calm, cool, regular pressure either. We've all seen fighters kind of stay in somebody's face. That's nothing new to us. But what was going on here was Archie Lang was applying pressure to him like Frankenstein on meth. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mike, I I know you don't like zombie movies, but I know you know the difference between the fast zombies and the slow zombies. You know what I mean? And Richie Lang was the, the fast zombie in there and he was effective in the first round and he was... Um, pressuring Molina so much that he was even able to get some countdown counters. I mean, able to get a takedown and Molina just was able to get some counters. But here's the thing, Mike, 
Come round two, Molina was no longer nervous. And a matter of fact, he was like, oh, you want to keep making me fight on the back foot? How about I start countering your ass? And not only that, how about I get comfortable doing it? And now I start unleashing these really slick boxing combinations. When I tell you, Mike, this man looked so smooth last night, it was ridiculous, ridiculous. Mm. And guess what? By round three, he was so comfortable that now he was putting um, Richie Lang on the back foot and was walking him backwards. And don't forget, Mike, don't forget that when a Richie Richie Lang got lazy and threw a kick at Molina, Molina sat his ass down immediately with the straight right and was like, listen, you don't throw lazy kicks at me when, when the bell, when the fight's about to be over. And then he showed the judges, you see what I just did to him? His swag and his drip last night was on three million. And of course, of course, he got the unanimous decision. Mike, hands down, I'm telling the listeners, if they haven't seen this fight or if you haven't, Mike, go back and watch it. One of my favorite fights of this year. I watched it. And uh, that's, that was the name I was butchering earlier when I was saying that another um, person who Dean Amazinger was really high on, was really waving the flag for and actually saying, well, you should watch this guy, Richie Lang, was the name I was really trying to pronounce. But oh, I think so that good. he had swag himself. There was a lot Me of too. Um, finger wagging and waving on. Uh, yeah. And he was, I think, quite angry striking. and there was no yep. way that he was going to quit because you're right nope. definitely was pressuring and pressuring hard but Richard Lang represented and represented in a big way and it just made me think you know what maybe I'm actually missing out on Dana White's contender series because Jeff Molina uh, yeah. is a recent signee out of um yeah end of series and um i'm thinking how many other people am i actually missing and now going under the radar because yeah you've been tuning in to the contender series but yeah you're right this definitely was um uh well considering it was the second fight on the prelim yeah it was through an incredible start I mean, but that's what the um, early prelims were doing to us, Mike. Every The reason why they were so good is because they started out one way, you know, just like I was saying about Molina. He was the one that started out nervous and it was Art, um, a Richie Lang that was the Frankenstein staying in his face and doing most of the damage. And then slowly but surely you saw that change. Yeah. And that's what was killing me on the prelims. Like I felt like it was almost orgasmic. There was just so much high level competition with so many momentum changes that I was like, God damn, should I start smoking cigarettes again? Like I need a fucking Newport right now. Like mm-hmm. this is fucking ridiculous. But of, of course I didn't, you know, start smoking again, but those prelims were fire. The momentum changes, Mike, unbelievable. You know this kind of shut mm-hmm. my mouth as well. Look, Alex Oliveira What's is two nine, and um, Randy Brown is twelve and four. But Rich Lang okay. is eighteen and six, and Jeff Molina is eight and two. But in both cases, man, they brought the fire and actually, you know, I suppose made a big statement in both of those fights. Based on record, there is no way that Jeff Molina going up against someone who was eighteen and six should have been had as dominant should have been as threatening shouldn't have been as as he was similarly with randy brown with a record of 12 and 2 going up against 22 and 9 to get a one-arm submission yes right kind of like did that one-arm submission no way no way should that have happened so i actually i'm eating crow in many respects um you know because i was expecting a one-sided beatdown one-sided shutout in both cases no yeah, but you know what, Mike? But you know what, Mike, that we might need to discuss? I don't need fans because I've been watching the sport for so long that I enjoy, 
actually enjoy no fans, but the fighters yeah. need fans. I think a lot of them were showing off last night and f- just feeling good to have them back in the arena. And it showed right. in their performances. I mean, I saw some fighters coming out like the second coming of Christ with their music because of the crowd, like Anthony Smith. Um, Masvidal got naked before he even got to the ring. He was throwing his clothes away. You know, Masvidal did like Usman did a little dance and he just and, and while he's saying it, even when like she looked nervous and backstage and then when the fans when she came out to the fans, she calmed down. I was like, they need this. And that's what we saw, Mike, in their performances. That Molina kid put on a show and so did um, Richie Lang. It was it was wonderful. Oh, 100%. Are we yes. ready to move on to the, to the main card? Hit it, Mike. Take it away. Okay. Anthony Smith. Man, Jimmy Crew. Now, I don't know about you, but going into this, I didn't hold that much hope for Anthony Smith. I just think, for me, um, especially when it comes to the the big fights, he tends to crumble. But I suppose I should have been a a little bit more um, generous, considering that Jimmy Crew, whilst he's you know he's been surging, he's been having a a bit of a momentum of late. um, Mm -hmm. I would I would hardly call him top tier. So it seems as though Jimmy Crete was expect well with Jimmy Crete was going for the jabs, the hooks, the crosses, and uh, Anthony Smith was just concentrating on the legs because damn did that pay off. Don't forget the sweet jab that he has now incorporated into his arsenal. I mean he had Jimmy Crute's face looking like mince meat very early on because of a very patient but accurate jab. And then when he wasn't pumping that jab, he was taking out Jimmy Crute's leg. It was a beautiful performance. And again, another person that probably thrives in the environment of fans. He just, when I think of Anthony Smith, I'm sorry, I think of a gatekeeper and someone that is in past their decline, but still good enough to fight in the UFC. And Jimmy Crute, I see as a a prospect that is in the middle of surging. He's not top tier, but he's surging. I thought at some point, Jimmy Crute would catch Anthony's declining chin and end the fight. But what I saw instead was Anthony Smith showing me something new, which was shocking, a fucking jab. Mm. Are you kidding me? People past their prime learning new shit and coming out all happy to fight. Thank you, Anthony Smith. I appreciate this performance. It was, it was incredible. But the kicking of the behind the knee, and then the fucking stiff leg was just so yeah. fucking weird, bro. And then it was got cringy. Didn't it get weird? Woo. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't did it get weird? Like you kicked him in the knee and then he fucking the knee got stiff and then he walked on it funny. And then we were like, oh, is he going to fight? No, ew, bro, stop the fight. Like, wasn't mm. that some weird shit? Uh, ever so Ooh. slightly. I mean, with that weird theme, I mean, I couldn't have seen this coming. You couldn't have seen this coming. No. Uriah Hall, Chris Weidman. I mean, uh, talk me through this. First of all, I mean, even before we get to what actually happened, which does seem to be a bit karmic, does seem mm-hmm. to be a little bit of, of karma involved here. What is right. this whole rivalry between Queens and, um, you know, Chris Weidman? I thought New York was New York, but he's fighting out of Baldwin. Is, is there some kind of like, no, yes, New yes, that vibe going on here? You have the perfect person to answer this question. I yeah. am actually, I am actually, um, my family is from the area close to Chris Weidman. And also um, Matt Sarah's gym is two minutes from Yaya's house. So I'm very familiar with um, these Long Island guys, although I've never met them. I grew up in their backyards. And um, when you grow up in the area that where Chris Weidman comes from, people like Uriah Hall that are from the boroughs or the cities, like 
you know, like Manhattan, Harlem, Brooklyn, they don't respect us because we grew up in the burbs. So that is the rivalry. Yeah, that is the because we grew up in the suburbs and we went to go see the city kids. But then we went back to our homes and pools and and, and no crime and, and no subway. You know what I'm saying? So they make fun of us because we're not gritty, you know, city kids. But as you can hear in my New York accent, I sound like I'm from New York, right? Like, yeah, that's right. Exactly. So city kids don't respect us, even though we look sound and listen to the same music and have the same culture as them, but they just don't respect us because we didn't grow up like them. So that's their little rivalry. But I also would like to discuss the fact that, Mike, like what type of voodoo is going on here? Didn't Chris Weidman break Anderson Silva's leg? And now look what happened last night. What's going on, Mike? Exactly. And, you know, for me, I just thought it was a little bit distasteful of Dana White to say, look, you know, not even a blow. Uh, what, what, I, I forget the exact what was wording. It, it was like um, the first fighter in UFC history to win a fight by not throwing one single punch, which is him making fun of Uriah. And then he posted the leg snapping under that caption, yeah. which I thought was a big slap in the face to Chris Weidman. Well, not only that, to Uriah Hall, it seems like he's... No, no, I said I said that before. I was like, it's a disrespect to Uriah Hall yeah. because it's not his fault he wasn't able to throw a punch. Exactly. And then you shit it on Chris when you posted the video of him under that caption, breaking his leg. Like, what type of boss is this guy, man? Oh, I can't, I can't imagine. If, if you yeah. have respect for your fighters... People online, those Cheeto-eating people in the dwelling in their basements, how would you expect them to have respect for your fighters? You're sowing the seeds of discontent. You're sowing the seeds of disrespect in doing that. Nah, man, he was out of pocket for that. And I, I'm out of pocket a lot on Twitter. And even I was like, yo, I wouldn't even do no incel <laughs> yeah. shit like this. And I'm the person <laughs> that people be like, Gina, take that down, take that down. You know, like... Oh, my God. But can we also talk about the fact that the um, Chris Weidman needs to u- listen to the universe? Like before you called me, Mike, I was in Twitter spaces and we all were like, he needs to listen to God. That is the Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ himself. Mike, like, come on, man. Just a second ago, Chris Weidman was telling everybody that he was a bad matchup for fucking Israel Adesanya. And then but still had a fight against Uriah Hall. Look what happens. He breaks his leg. And then the, the fight before this, he drowned a man in the most like unsatisfying Unsat, excuse me, un, most unsatisfying way you've ever seen before. Did not give us the resurgence that he could fight for a title. We yeah. need Chris Weidman to just settle down, become a coach, and just kind of just make his way out. Now your leg's broken. Just listen to the universe. No more fighting. What uh, do you think, I, Mike? Am I right in thinking, I mean, you talk about listening to the universe. You talk about, well, I spoke about karma earlier. But mm-hmm. is this the same Chris Weidman who was celebrating over Anderson Silver after breaking his leg. Yes. And he had his arms up, standing over him now, albeit just for a, yes. a momentary pose, but still hella disrespectful considering what actually happened there. And then, you know, the universe has an amazing way of actually humbling you and actually seeing um, or, or making you see empathy because that's exactly, okay, not the celebration aspect, but just, you know, feeling what Anderson Silver actually went through, literally feeling it, is what happened last night. 
Yeah, Mike, I, I totally agree with you. And I think it's important to note that it's a lot of these mega assholes that are just the people that are out here <laughs> celebrating over a broken leg, celebrating and being hypocrites, you know, anti-vax, this, this and that, but getting vaccinated and, oh, telling your people don't wear a mask and having super spreader events, but you're the first person in line to get vaccinated governors, you know, conservative governors. So when I see stuff like this translate into sports, I hate to make it political. Good for you. And yes, Chris Weidman laughed and celebrated when he broke Anderson's leg. I'd like everyone to notice what Uriah Hall did. Get on his knees, pray for his opponent, and he felt yeah. terrible. And maybe Chris, when he watches that, he can think of you know himself when he laughed. And then he can thank Uriah Hall for how he felt bad for him. You know, like maybe yeah. Chris can think about his actions, but I would like Chris more than to think about his actions when he did it to Anderson Silva, more to think about his career. Like, listen to the universe. No more fighting. <laughs> I, I, you know, just on that poignant note, no more fighting. I've got a question for you just before we move on to Jessica Andrade and Valentina Kuchenko. Yeah. I wondered, considering where Chris is at in his career, considering how old he is, considering mm -hmm. what he has now, is a life-altering, life-changing injury. Do you see that's? Do you think that's the last that we've seen of Chris Weidman in the octagon? No, no. I think Chris Weidman has a heart of gold, and I think he's the person that really believes in himself. I think he's the person that is like kind of like Michael Bisming. I remember when Michael Bisming would not stop believing in himself, and I gave up on him a long time ago, and he became champ. I think Chris Weidman maybe sees himself in someone like that. I think he believes in himself. And he's not as old as you think. Anderson Silva broke his leg at an older age than what Chris Weidman did last night and came back. So I would mm -hmm. not be surprised if very stubborn Chris Weidman healed up two years later, came back for a fight. No, I would no. not be. But I'd want him to listen to the universe, though. <laughs> <laughs> ahead, I, I have to remind you and have to remind myself, though, whilst there is uh, a lot of speculation, what I'm about to say, we have to recall, mm -hmm. albeit that Anderson Silva came back, albeit that he was in the twilight of his years, he came back with assistance. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, let's not forget he did. the man he did. who uh, talked about tainted supplements and uh, being sold a vial of um, Viagra in a, in in a, <laughs> well, in in some back street somewhere. Let's not forget that you know, as I mentioned, he did have uh, uh, medicine to assist him that wasn't actually uh, on Usada's approved list. Exactly. I mean, but my point is, is that he came back, Mike. Nobody, you know, and he was older than Chris Weidman. Did he come back with a little zoot juice in his system? Sure, <laughs> I don't care. But he came back. And I think Chris Weidman, whether he chooses to use zoot juice or not, I think he comes back. I think he's that type of guy. He hadn't even gotten past Uriah Hall and he was telling everyone that he was a bad matchup for Izzy. That doesn't sound like someone who breaks their leg. That's like, you know what? I'm just going to stop fighting now. It sounds like this is a comeback story for him. That's yeah. all it is. So we will see him in two years. I guarantee it. I hear you. Next up, mm -hmm. Valentina Shevchenko. Take it away. What did you think of this? I just did not really expect that um, Jessica Andrade would be one of the most easiest fights for Valentina and also the most bloodiest. Are you mm. kidding me? We all got pumped up for this fight because we thought yeah. Jessica Andrade was going to bulldoze her, but still lose. 
I, I still didn't see a lot of people picking Jessica, but we expected her to bring the fight, Mike. And instead, what happened was Valentina was like, you're not good at shit. You're not good at anything. And I'm better at you everywhere and fucking out wrestled her <laughs> and then had the nerve to crucifix her and fucking baptize her ass. Everybody talking about Masvidal. This woman went out there, put this woman on a crucifix and bloodied her face yeah. up and gave her no chance at all. Like, I'm afraid of Valentina, man. Like. I don't want to interview her for the woke ass, Mike. I'm afraid. Like, <laughs> I don't know, Mike, if we ever going to get that interview. I'm scared of her, man, but I'll try. What, what are your thoughts on this? You know, you talk about Jessica Andrade and her, um, well, I suppose her accolades and the fact that she was coming in there as, um, you know, with a fearsome reputation. Look, she was number one ranked women's flyweight contender and former strawweight champion. Number, <coughs> sorry, number five women's um, pound for pound. Eight wins by KO, seven via submission, nine first uh, round finishes, hold win over Carolina Cavalcavich, Tisha Torres, and Claudia Gadea. Now, how scary can it be after all of those um, accolades to be read out that Valentina Shevchenko made her look like an amateur, made her look like, you know, this was something that was kind of like sparring to her. It was terrifying. I'm with you there. This is someone who I don't want to interview either. This is someone who I would be kind of like fearful of. She comes across to some kind of like KGB agent. The way in which she just dispatches her opponents and just does it so. She's cool. It's like she's. I like feel like I feel like she's. Yeah, I feel like she's cruel, Mike, because even in the interview, what did she say? She was like, it's OK if Jessica Andras thinks that she's going to beat me at something. She's not. Let her think that. And I was just like, oh, my God, she's going to fucking kill her. You know what I mean? And then on top of it, we all talk shit. We was like, Jessica's power. You know, that one flimsy round that Jennifer Maya won and she was able to take down Valentina really told us that Jessica Andrade was at least going to get a takedown or two. Yeah. Valentina told us to shut up, sit down and enjoy the show because that bitch is not getting one takedown on me. And she <laughs> took her down. And it just really it just. It just it it made me just you know when you shut up when your mother's like one more time I'm telling yeah. you one more time and you shut your goddamn mouth that's how I felt last night I was like I'm never picking against her again I don't care if she fights God I'll never ever doubt this woman she's never gonna lose a round it was just like when you know to sit your ass down and Valentina I'm, you got it I'm down girl sitting down I can't Mike I don't know you interview shit. No, no, no. You, you, I, 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 I you do it. You do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next up, uh, Zhang Wiley, Wiley Zhang versus Rose Namajunas. Now, shut my mouth and again, feed me crow because this is not how I saw it going down. And I have to say, confession time, I um, was secretly hoping, silently hoping that Rose would get her ass handed over uh, or handed to her over five rounds. I really wanted this to be a dominant one-sided beatdown in terms of, um, well, a lesson because I didn't like the narrative going into this. I didn't like what she was saying about she'd rather be dead than red. I didn't like all the political statements, which seemed to be, um, I, I don't know, woven into this and woven in quite tightly. And I, I just was shocked by what I saw last night. That kick to the head. Yeah. I mean, talk about pinpoint sniper accuracy. And it came from nowhere. 
Mike Rose had me tweeting um, the red is dead. Like I bitched about the whole shit and just how it politically incorrect it was. By the end of the night, I was like, red is dead. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I just, I just don't know what to say. Like, Again, I, I picked Welly Zhang to, to win, but I also said if Rose wins, I, wins, I will not be shocked. But mm. God damn, Rose, I didn't think a question mark kick to the young lady's face was going to do it in the first round. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Like when she's focused, she's focused. And poor um, Welly Zhang, when she got up, she was so pissed. She, she tried to show us her incel side. She almost forgot that she was representing China. She almost showed her true self. She was so angry when she got up. But in fact, Mike, it was a good stoppage. Yeah. Welly Zhang was out a little bit on her feet. She regained yep. her composure. But when Rose followed up, she did almost like a Ben Askin, Robbie Lawler. She went to sleep real quick, woke up. You know what I'm saying? The fight's over. You're yeah. in and out of quick consciousness. Although it was quick consciousness, she was unconscious. Stop the fight. I'm totally fine with the stoppage. But what a performance by Rose. And I'm with you, Mike. I wanted Welly Zank to beat her ass for those fucking racist, xenophobic comments. And I call them for what they are. They were racist and xenophobic. And I wanted Welly Zank to put her foot up that woman's ass so bad. But I respect <laughs> the one. But I respect the winner. She deserves it. She, she, the better fighter won. Whether yeah. you like the politics behind it or not, the better fucking fighter won. Salute, Rose. You, you've nailed it. And, and I think that yeah. movie, again, I needed to kind of... Yeah. Like, and smell the uh, the coffee because this yeah. is a woman we're talking about Rose Namajunas who holds a win over Joanna Yanjacek not once but twice now I know that Wiley Zhang mm-hmm. also uh, owns a win over Joanna Yanjacek but a tough talking. win where she ate a lot of shots Mike yes. let's talk about that can yeah. you cannot eat that many shots from Rose because she hits too precisely which which pans out into power like Connor mm. said so so if you watch the fight with with, with Wang Welly and um, JJ you, you, they they beat each other up all day but look if you look at Welly Zhang no head movement plodding forward decent footwork but heavy on heavy footed flat footed is what we call it right and then no head movement no feints no nothing just going in there just fighting you can't do that to Rose you can't Rose will put you to bed that's what we saw and I guarantee you that Welly Zhang when she comes back they're going to make her a defensive machine now She's already mm. an offensive machine. Watch that try to change her into some type of Floyd Mayweather, some shit. Watch. Watch. That's what yep. she needs. That's what she needs to work on her defense. Even the question mark kick. If her hand had been up by her um, ear, like technical block to a kick. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. she would have blocked that. But she didn't see it coming because it was a question mark kick. But she also leaves her chin out a little too much and doesn't leave her head off the line. So they're going to work on that. And this woman's going to come back a beast. My question to my co-host, though, mm. who does Rose fight next? Let's do it. I think it's only right, to be honest with you, Wally Zhang. Mm. Come on, let's, let's, let's do this. You think I so? Mean, yeah. Well, well, put it this way. I think it's only right, considering probably in her mind, Wally Zhang's thinking, okay, this stoppage was way, way too quick. And I think as well, I mean, when you think about it, look, who, who, who is more worthy given that we're looking at somebody in Wiley Zhang, 10 wins by KO, seven via submission on a 21 fight win streak up until this point. I really think that considering that, how and what we saw unfold, I really think it would be right and proper to give her that rematch. Um, 
I wouldn't be too mad at it, but ha- why don't we do like um, Wendy Zhang and JJ to rematch Rose? You know, why don't they go at it? And in the meantime, why can't, I mean, we've got, I know nobody wants to see it, but Carla Esparza is number four. Why don't we let Rose beat her up? You know, like we can move on too. And we can also get another, you know, part two to Welly Zhang and, and um, JJ. Why not? Yeah. You, see, you just want to, you just, you just want to jump right back into Rose? Not 100%. No, we got to build Welly Zhang, man. That's a machine. We, she's got to get her experience so that when she gets back to the top, she remains there. That's what, that's what they're going to do. Next time she get that belt, she ain't going nowhere. So let her <laughs> fight JJ. Let her, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. I'm not in a rush. And then plus, I'm tired of calling her Sparza. Give her the shot and get her the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? I'm tired of her. I just believe that, you know, when you, when you have somebody who has been so dominant, who has had all those accolades, and especially, um, you know, is, is, is doing phenomenal work when they get in there. I think mm-hmm. by rights, you know, she has, she has shown and she has earned her stripes in advance of this fight. So I, I just thought yeah. perhaps... Considering we've seen um, Wally Zhang and Joanna Yunjekic already, yes, we have seen um, Rose Damayunas and uh, Joanna Yunjekic. Now, imagine if, you know, God forbid that she wins. I don't want to see Joanna Yunjekic, Rose Damayunas 3. I don't want to see it. That's true because um, Rose has made quite a statement in that she's beat her twice. So, what more do we want from that? And also, how does. Oh, excuse me for that. How does how does JJ get even like motivated for that fight? What a exactly. what a what an emotional parallel to get past for her too as well. Like give her somebody, you know, I'd love to see her fight Zhang again, but I don't know. The options seem pretty limited right now. That's why I asked you this question. We should uh, wait and see how Dana and Sean Shelby play this out though. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see what they do, you know? This is what we pay them. This is what they get paid for figuring this shit out you know exactly and shit talking about running it right back (laughs) (laughs) talking about running it back um kamara uzman and jorge masvidal ran it back welterweight championship fight to top off uh what was an incredible card now i'm not gonna lie i put kamara uzman down to win but not like this i did not see this in a million years considering about uh, well, in the run-up, Jorge Masvidal was talking about, Speed Jesus was talking about his feet being tickled. And uh, to see his face being tickled in the way that it was, damn, that... Uh-huh. Was it tickled or did he... Shit. <laughs> I, tickled I or shit? That. Like I won't forget that in that for a long, long while. But that was an incredible KO, a brutal KO. And some people were saying, oh, we didn't really need those follow-up shots. Yes, he did. It's super necessary. Hold on, I'm hiding from the police. So give me one second. They're coming from my about that stream again. They heard about that stream. It's Dana. He heard about my fire stick. He knows that I'm stealing all this shit. But anyway, um, Mike, I did not expect. Um, I feel like I live like someplace where bombs are being dropped sometimes. It's just so loud here. Um, I did not expect Kamaru Usman to blast Jorge Masvidal the way that he did. And here's the thing that was so interesting about this fight is that in round one, I noticed Kamaru Usman throwing like this wild right hook. And I was like, man, he's headhunting. And I thought he snuck away with the round. I did see Jorge had some moments, but I did think Kamaru won the first round. However, in the second round, 
I'm unsure if that looping right hand was just, you know, telling Camaro to go back to his basics. And then he went in the second round, he went back to a straight right because Jorge didn't see it coming. And then just, it was no longer that looping right hand. It was a straight right that put him down. Yeah. And I just think it goes back to the fact that I have a theory about Kamara Usman. And I said it on Twitter spaces. I think he's the fighter that fucking is just, just drilling basics all day long. Like when he's not in front of the camera promoting himself or fighting or in fight camp, I think he's drilling fucking basics. I mean, Mike, look at him. He went from just being one dimensional um, champion, right? Winning by wrestling, putting Tyron Woodley away. And then he showcases a little bit of his basic striking with, with, with um, Colby, but it's beautiful basic striking. Yeah. And then what happens? He's, le- he's learning how to uh, switch stances with a jab. And now he's making Gilbert cry. He's making Gilbert Burns cry with a power jab. And now he's fighting Jorge Masvidal. And now he's got a straight right that is from hell and putting him to sleep. These are all basic maneuvers. And in the first round, the right hook wasn't working for him. So he went back to the basics and drilled Jorge with a straight right. I think this guy is, 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 um, a work of art. And I think he's just a machine. I think even right now he's probably working on his jab. Agreed. Like alone in his room or something. I think he's one of those. And I think he's not only just one of those, I think he's eating correctly. I think he's always in shape. And I think it's just the science behind him and it shows. <laughs> and that's all I have to say. Like, I'm just done being on his dick right now, but go ahead. Mike. <laughs> go ahead. And what were your thoughts on all this? Well, again, like I say, I was shocked because I wasn't expecting it to be uh, so dominant. I wasn't expecting it to be via strikes. I was expecting it to be, yes, um, more or less a repetition of what we saw first time round, but just done in a more um, dominant or with more dominance. But in, in all honesty, I think that he put a statement on the fact that, look, consider me to be one of the greatest, one of the best welterweights of all time. I mean, I don't want to kind of like um, run through uh, some of the questions because I know that this was actually raised. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, don't want to steal any. Of, yeah. yeah. Uh, We've got listener questions. Yeah. Questions thunder, but I, I know that this did actually come up, but speaking of questions, actually, it'd be a nice little segue into uh, a few questions, which we received. Uh, I don't know how many you want to actually run through because I know there were quite a few, but um, let, let, let's let, let's plow on then. Let's um, take some listener questions. All right. Well, I got one um, front and center for you. Okay. So this is from Aaron Jackson, you know, from, you know, Juice. And he says, what do y'all think about the Usman versus Colby rematch? Dana has said this, um, that this is next for Camaro. Personally, Juice is not a fan of it. But if Camaro does what he did last night to Colby, I'll celebrate like it's like my last day on earth. <laughs> so what he wants to know, what do we think about him fighting Colby next? Your thoughts, Mike? I, I, I love it. Considering what happened in the first fight, considering the buildup, considering that you know, we're looking at somebody who can definitely sell this in terms of, you know, with Covington does come politics, does come. Uh, yeah, it's ugly. Uh, I, I think um, the, 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 the return of things that we don't like about the sport and that is right wing leanings. But it actually puts bums on seats because people want to either see him knock somebody out or get knocked out so i love the idea mm. of kamara being uh, sorry kamara usman and uh, covington next love it um i will have to say that i'm i'm not getting excited thinking about it 
but at, but it's one of those fights where it's kind of like, again, like Kamaro Usman versus Jorge Masvidal. We really don't know what's going to happen, being that Kamaro is really doing things shocking every time he defends his belt. So although I'm sitting here thinking, oh, it's going to go the same way, you know, just like we thought, oh, Kamaro's going to wrestle Usman and break his feet again for five rounds. I don't want to see this. Instead, he shot him in the face with a right hand shotgun. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not excited about seeing him fight Kobe again, but oh, I'm going to be if they rebook it because of just how amazing this guy is fighting. And I just, I'm with you, Mike, I'm not for the negativity and the bullshit that Colby brings. And not mm -hmm. only is it negative, it's not authentic. It's not real. He's a bad actor. So it's distracting and stupid to me. So, but you know, we got to weather the storm and, and listen to that if they're going to fight again, which will be an awesome performance. So true, true. who knows? Yeah. You want another one? Yeah. Who's next up with the, with the, with the question? We'll take a few. Yeah, yeah, why not? We got, um, this guy has a funny name. His name is STD. Shout out to STD. <laughs> um, he says, <laughs> boy, I tell you, why is Twitter free? KGB and I often discuss that. It should be $4.99 a month. These people are hilarious. So STD said, do you think the most shocking thing from last night was the mauling Shevchenko put on Andrade? So I'm going to tweak that question for you, Mike. Was that the most shocking thing? And if not, what was for you? For UFC 261. The, the most shocking thing was the Jorge Masvidal knockout, considering, you know, in the back of my mind, I was kind of like giving him a little bit of space with his idea that had he had the preparation, had he had the setup, had he had a, a better camp, what happened last time would not have happened. I was half believing it. He does talk a good game. He's very convincing, very charismatic. And I was halfway there, but... It was mm -hmm. shocking to me to see his words being manifested back at himself, being realized back at himself, actually succumbing to a KO that he was looking to give out. So that for me was the most shocking thing because I did not see that coming. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. There were, first of all, Mike, there were so many things we didn't see coming. We didn't see True. the Jimmy Crute stiff leg. We didn't True. see the broken Chris Weidman leg coming. True. We didn't see the early prelims being fucking Vietnam either. So yeah. there were just so many things. And I didn't expect STD. I didn't really expect um, Shevchenko to control Andrade the way that she did. But I don't, I don't think crucifying her with that crucifix was the most shocking thing of the night. Mine was, to, you know, yeah, head kick right, right. And you know me, Mike, I always cheat. I can't just give one. I just feel like the broken leg and the, and the swift kick to the face by Rose to, to, to Welly Zhang were my shockers of the night, bro. I mean, the shotgun blast too to Masvidal's face was crazy. And Mike, can we also discuss the fact that Masvidal's never been knocked out? True. What a way, yes. what a way yes. to go down though. Mm. I don't know. Call me corny or call me strange. But if I was Masvidal, I would be proud of that knockout. I've never been knocked out. And that's the way I went down like like that. You know, he has nothing to be ashamed of. And he also took the loss like a man, you know? Yeah. yeah. And he got blasted in the face. I feel like he took it in good sport because he's a fighter. And I like that about it. I mean, just done that. I like I it. Thought, I thought yeah. Dave um credo, his, his, uh, his, his, his rules were that he doesn't feel comfortable interviewing fighters who've been KO'd. But yet he was there interviewing Wally Zhang. He was there interviewing um, Masvidal. It made me think you do remember your, 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 your own words. Your mantra, right. <laughs> 
Yeah, I guess what he meant was if the fighter gets knocked out and they seem cool afterwards, I'm fucking interviewing them. That's what that means. Because I was kind of like, hey, wasn't Masvidal just shot in the face? Why is yeah. he got the mic? <laughs> and then, you know, in Twitter spaces, we were cracking jokes. We were like, we, we expected Joe Rogan to jump on that gurney and be like, Chris, give us some insight on your leg while he was on the, <laughs> by being rolled with him and shit. Like, we had jokes last night. Like, what happened to that rule, huh? Like, the fans ain't forget, Mike. We noticed that shit. But... <laughs> What is it was still a magical night. What can you do? Should take one more question? Um, yeah, you're gonna take one more from your co-host, okay? okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, Mike, if you saw this tweet. Um, there's a picture of um Usman putting the belt around his father. His father's crying. You know his father was in prison. Yeah, and they're saying he was in prison time. wrongfully, right? Yeah. He came out of prison. Um, he's back with the family. They're a very successful family. And this is the first time he saw his son fight live because he had been yeah. incarcerated. So Usman brought him out to the stage, to the cage, excuse me, and put the belt on him. So I took to Twitter, you know me, I love being black and I love, you know, rooting for us. Mm. And I said, call this. I, I took that picture of Usman, both of them crying and, the, and him putting the belt on the father. And I said, I call this pound black excellence. Now, I didn't really expect anyone to really be upset by this because it's just a, a tweet and I'm black, they're black, I'm proud to be black. There's nothing wrong with that. And I'm also not saying that we are superior either with saying black excellence. I am just yeah. recognizing the fact that black people have accomplished something. And sometimes we need that being the underdog. It does not, should not pump fear into you. Well, according to Fahim Suleiman on wow. Twitter, he said, yeah, shout him me. out. Fahim. <laughs> yeah, Fahim Suleiman on Twitter said, why bring in color? I don't understand. Can we just be human beings? We call that pound Usman excellence. Mike, can you explain to me what made Fahim upset that I wanted to harp on black excellence? I call yeah. it racism, but um, what do you call this? And can you share your thoughts with me on this? Because there was nothing about what I tweeted that was racist, superior, hate crime associated, nothing. And we are the underdogs. And I was just proud of my people. Explain to me why Fahim was upset by that. Now, not knowing Fahim, I can only um, conjecture. I can only make some kind of like rationale just based on people like Fahim I've actually encountered uh, both face-to-face -face and online. There does seem to be a lot of whataboutery when you bring in race, when you do say things like black excellence, when you talk about black lives mattering, the counter will always be all lives matter. And why are we actually highlighting color? It's because there is a fear there is a fear that you aren't including them. It's what about me? Why aren't I being actually included in this narrative when they seem to be forgetting that for years, we're talking about hundreds of years, our story has- It was been, all about you. Thank you. <laughs> our story has been muted. Our history has been muted. Our religion has been muted. Mm -hmm. The way I look at this is, this is somebody who hasn't got the wherewithal to actually I suppose factor that in before he starts to speak, before he starts to tweet. And there is, like I say, a growing feeling because of the strength of feeling of not necessarily um, people who are pro-black, but who are proud to be black. And yes, yes. From the rafters. And are no longer saying it in a subliminal way, but are overtly saying, yes, let's celebrate black excellence. People are 
riling against that now. You hear it in the kind of rhetoric when people saying, oh, you're woke. Oh, well, mm. what about all lives mattering? Now, yeah. for me, I have no time for it. I don't think you should have any time for it. I think people like that should be instantly blocked. And you oh, he's blocked. Life. Yeah. Oh, I blocked him immediately. I didn't even respond to him because I already know what type of person that is. If you are to see a post like that, and the only thing you can think of is to kind of bring negativity to it and to make it like negative and, (laughs) you know, then I don't want to be bothered with you. I already know the answer to my own question. I just wanted you to speak on it. So lovely, brother, because I know (laughs) that you would. But I would. (laughs) But I would also like to say this. I pre- I'm not the biggest fan of Kamara Usman because I am kind of confused with his support for um, Trump. Trump yeah. And sometimes I do think he's a little bit corny, but I do love him because of what he's representing for us as black people. 100%. If you look at Kamara, right. If you look at Kamara Usman, he's normalizing something that a lot of black people already know that we have families, we have fathers and that we're not the stereotypes that people think that we are. Mm. You don't know how many times on Twitter you see someone be like, go find your dad. And yeah. meanwhile, like my dad, you know, meanwhile, my dad's at home in slippers or Haitian sandals reading Newsweek <laughs> or Time magazine. You know, like I'm just so sick of like having to combat these false and negative narratives right. about black on black crime on about black fathers not taking care of their children. And then you have Usman here putting a belt on his father, who was, I believe, wrongfully incarcerated, did his time, came out and his family and his son thrived without him that is called black excellence and it's okay if black people want to celebrate that you motherfuckers eat a dick and i mean like amen that's all i gotta say on that mike (laughs) hopefully you're not gonna extinguish that fire that has actually been roused that has actually been raised right there because we'll be back as always Midweek with Shots Fired with Chisanga and Kairos, where we'll be topic or topical issues like this will be raised. But just one last time, G, just before we head out, our social media um, Twitter handles, I'm at MikeWoTV. If there are any aspects to this that you want to continue the discussion on, and how can people get a hold of you, G? Hey, I'm at Just Gina MMA, just as I said it. But also be advised, the way I speak on this podcast is how I tweet. So if you're sensitive about race and a young lady that kind of knows her MMA shit, don't follow me because I'm going to curse you out if you have a problem. Y'all have a nice day. Bye. Ooh, you've been warned.